The following audio is from Missio Day Church in Asheville, North Carolina. We exist for maturing and multiplying disciples in Asheville and beyond for the glory of God. For more resources from Missio Day or to partner with us on mission, visit mdcavl.org. Morning, folks. How are we doing? Good. Awesome. Well, uh, like, like Pastor Larry said, my name is Zach, and I am the lead pastor at the Grove Church, and I've been here a few times, uh, and I am uh, so thankful to be back. I don't know if you guys know this, uh, but there is, it is up there, you, you, 14th anniversary for the Missio Day Church, right? Amen. God's faithfulness over 14 years, and uh, I'm so thankful and honored that Pastor Brian would ask me to come uh, preach this morning, and I'm even more thankful everyone else said no, uh, so that I could be here. Uh, but seriously, I am thankful. Last time I was here, um, I preached uh, basically a sermon that was, you should repent or you will die. Um, but that was the passage Pastor Brian gave me, so I blame him. Um, but it was, I mean, I think it was good. It was good for me and my soul. Uh, but I got to pick my own passage this morning. Uh, so we're going to be in Luke chapter 10. So if you have your Bible, so you can turn there. We'll start in chapter, or verse 1 in a moment. Um, but what I, what I want to do this morning uh, is, is really just to encourage Missio Day Church, um, to encourage y'all to um, see how we can rightly celebrate all that God has done, uh, and then look forward to the future and see what God might have for us uh, and for you uh, as you continue to be faithful to our uh, ever-faithful God. Um, and so we'll read, uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 24, I know that feels like a lot, um, but, uh, but it's going to be good. And I think it will be helpful for us to read it beforehand so we can understand the full context of what we're chatting about in a moment. So we'll start in verse 1. It says this, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him, but if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it'll be more bearable on that day for Sodom than of that, for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin, and woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works done in you have been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it'll be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, 
that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then, turning to his disciples privately, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and hear what you hear and did not hear it. And this is the word of the Lord for us this morning. So you guys have been preaching through Acts, uh, or the, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. And um, Luke wrote Acts. Uh, Luke also wrote Luke, and it, we've cleverly titled it Luke. Um, but he wrote this as well. So this is like the, the, the prequel to Acts. And um, so as we read this, I think, it's, I think I thought it was fitting. It was also easy. We preached this passage a couple months ago. Um, but I thought it was fitting to, to kind of see what came before Acts um, to see what God had, has done through these 72, how he told them to celebrate, and how exciting it was to be a part of what they were doing. And I want to use that to encourage you guys and how to celebrate all that God has done through Missio Day Church over the last 14 years. And then to use this is also to see how we should move forward for the next 14, the next 28, or however long God might have us here. And so Jesus... He's been preaching. He's been casting out demons. He's actually already sent out a group of disciples previous to this, a smaller group, and now he has 72. And so he appoints them and he sends them out. And so we'll kind of go back through this verse by verse and, and we'll get all the way through the 24th verse and then, and then we'll kind of close it. I just want to kind of give you where we're going. And we'll kind of close it with some, some closing words and some parting application. So, so the Lord appoints 72 others and he sent them on ahead of him two by two. So Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. He, he is, his face is set to Jerusalem, and he's heading there, and, and he appoints these 72 others to go before him and, and to, to kind of prepare the way for him into every town and place that he himself was about to go. I think the first thing we see here um, is that he sent them two by two. We are meant to be with and in community. We're not meant to do the mission of God alone. We're not meant to go out alone. We're meant to be with others. We're meant to be in community. Jesus didn't send the disciples out one by one, but he sent them out two by two. We're, we're meant to do this life, to do all that God has called us to with others. We're meant to be in the trenches with, with other people next to us, pouring our lives out together for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of the kingdom. This is the picture that it's always been, right? It wasn't good for Adam to be alone. It's not good for us to be alone. We need to be together. We need to be with others, advancing the kingdom of God, doing what God has called preparing the way for King Jesus. Because as King Jesus came into these towns, King Jesus is coming here. He will come back someday. Uh, I have a, a, the privilege of this is the second service, so I know what songs we're singing next. We're going to sing about Jesus' return here in a moment. And he, it's true. It's not just something we sing because it feels good. He is returning, and we're here preparing the way, advancing his kingdom, so that when he does return, uh, my hope and the way I read it, you know, the end times is, is I want to do all that I can today in the power of Christ through his spirit so that he has as little work to do as possible when he returns, right? Because he's coming to set up his kingdom. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to try to advance his kingdom. We're going to do this together. Uh, and so we were, we're in community together out two by two, uh, advancing God's kingdom 
preaching the gospel, proclaiming the good news that God's kingdom is here, that Christ is here, and he is a good king. And so he sends them out two by two, and, and then he says this to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so Jesus, even though he sends them out two by two, he tells them some really good news, right? The harvest is plentiful. That's good to hear when you're going out for the harvest, right? It would be bad news that there's barely, barely any harvest out there. You guys are going to have to scrounge the ground and try and find stuff. No, no, he said, the harvest is plentiful. Many people are going to be ready to come into my kingdom. They're going to be ready to come and be transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, into Christ's kingdom. But the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Um, God has used Miss Day Church in mighty ways over the last 14 years. He has, I mean, and I share this every time I come here, but it's worth repeating in case someone hasn't heard it. Uh, the Grove Church, which is my church in Spruce Pine that I planted five years ago, um, is still in existence uh, in large part to God through you, through Missio Day Church. Uh, Brian found me at a time uh, in, in our church plant that um, was depressing. We had just had a pretty big exodus of people leaving our church, and that was a bad exodus. Like, the, the book of Exodus is good, uh, but the kind of exodus the Grove had was not good. Uh, and so I was feeling a little depressed, thinking like, hey, maybe, maybe the church planning isn't for me. Maybe, um, maybe I shouldn't do this. We, we planted, uh, we didn't have a sending church. We planted out of desperation and frustration. Um, and that's not a good reason to plant a church, um, but we did it, and God's been kind. Uh, but in large part, he's been kind through you, through Pastor Brian. Uh, through your generosity of not just financial support to the Grove Church, uh, but also letting your pastor spend time with me in counseling, making sure I'm not doing stupid things and going crazy up in Spruce Pine. And so God has done amazing things. It's, it's not just the Grove. There's other churches that have been planted. There's other ministries that have been done. There, there, there's, I mean, and probably so many of us here have found joy, life, and hope through the gospel here at Missio Dei. God's done amazing things. But I really believe what God is calling Missio Day Church to next is going to require more laborers. The harvest is plentiful. It's still plentiful. I don't believe that this was just at this time period. I think it's still plentiful. And, and we need to earnestly pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. And many of you who will pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers could probably answer your own prayer by becoming one of the laborers, right? And so, and so what God has next in store for Missio Dei over the next 14 plus years, I believe is going to be so great that we have to ask God for more people, for more laborers, for more people to pour their lives out alongside the brothers and sisters for the sake of the gospel. And so we pray and we ask God because only God can do what God does and what God has in store for his church globally, universally, we need his help to do it. We cannot do it on our own. So we pray earnestly to Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then he gives this little word of encouragement to people. It's always what you want to hear when you go out. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Super encouraging, Jesus. Thank you for that. You know, like, oh, I'm excited to go out. Look, I'm not a farmer. I grew up in California. Um, live in Spruce Pine. There are farms in Spruce Pine. Most of them are Christmas tree farms. 
Um, but there are cows, not a lot of sheep. There's some, but there's cows. And cows are bigger than sheep, from what I've seen. And um, wolves can still take down cows, okay? So, like, I'm just imagining what a wolf can do to sheep. And you probably don't have to imagine. I'm sure you can go on Disney Plus to the Nat Geo section and, and watch some wolves take down some sheep if you wanted to, or at least lions and gazelles or something fun like that. This is, like, this is, like, wolves are eating sheep. Like, there's not a lot of wolves out there with broken legs because sheep got, got, you know, got after them, right? And so these wolves are going after the sheep. And, and this, is, this is true. God is sending his people out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Just a weird little sentence in the middle of this. But then he goes on. I think we can connect it here in a second. He says, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. So I'm sending you out as a lamb in the midst of wolves, so don't take anything with you. Sounds like I should take more stuff with me if you're sending me out as a lamb in the midst of wolves, right? But, but here's the thing. The kind of stuff that God's doing is going to be stuff that we're going to have to trust him for. We're going to have to have faith for. Uh, and God's going to be faithful and provide us all that we need, including the protection we need, the resources we need. Now, this isn't to be a blueprint for how to do mission work. So if you're here and you're like, I think I want to go do mission work someday. Like, I want to go on one of these trips to Africa that Missio Day goes on. Uh, and then you guys start packing. You're like, hold on, we're not supposed to take knapsacks. Why are you guys packing? We're no luggage to Africa. No, no money bags. Why are we bringing money with us? We're not going to... This isn't a blueprint, right? So some things in Scripture are uh, prescriptive, which means this is what you should do. Some things are descriptive, means this is what happened. Um, this is a descriptive prescription, okay? This is God, this is Jesus telling a certain people at a certain time to do a certain thing. Later in Luke, Jesus is going to send disciples out, and he's going to say, bring your money bag, bring your knapsack, bring a sword even. Uh, and so this isn't the only way to do, to do God's mission. But God, Jesus is teaching his people to rely on him. It'll be because of his faithfulness in this mission that they can look back in, fu in future missions and think, remember when God provided for us back then? Remember when God, uh, when God protected us? We were, like, we were like lambs in the midst of wolves, but God kept us. This will provide encouragement in the future. And as Missio Dei looks forward, Missio Dei needs to look backward and remind themselves of all that God has done in the last 14 years. Over and over and over again, God says throughout Scripture, remember, remember, remember. Remember, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. Remember, I did this. Remember, I did this. Church, we need to remember what God has done because the, the, what's coming sometimes might be, seem discouraging. Or maybe the last 18 months or how many ever months it's been. I feel like I've been saying 18 months for four months now. I'm not good at math, so it's been some, some amount of months has been hard. And it's, it's during the last 18 months, pastors and church members have had to look back over the last 13 years to remember how, what God has done to see us get through this. And so this God, Jesus is creating here opportunity for them to rely on him so later they can look back and see his faithfulness. And then he says, whenever or whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. And so, and so what, what's happening here, um, and, and even before that, he says, you know, don't greet anyone on the road. And these all seem weird um, because 
I feel like the Bible also teaches us to be hospitable and to, to talk to people, to greet people. Uh, it tells, you know, tells us to, to proclaim the gospel to everywhere, even the end of the ages, or end of the, ends of the earth, rather, uh, to proclaim the gospel. So, so in my mind, I feel like I should greet everyone on the road. I should go from house to house as quickly as possible, telling everyone about Jesus. And, and this isn't the model that Jesus gives these, these disciples here. There's a couple reasons I think why. Um, this is what I think. Jesus is about ready to go into these towns. And so there's a sense of urgency here. Jesus is coming to these towns behind them, and they are being sent to these towns to prepare the way for Christ, to show them what the kingdom, to show these people what the kingdom looks like so when the king comes, they would surrender to him. This is our mission here today, too. We are representatives of King Jesus, preparing the earth for King Jesus to return. He's coming here, too, just like he was coming to these towns. And we're here today, placed here in, in, in Asheville, in Buncombe County, in the 828, in this section of the world, to prepare the way for Christ upon his return. And so we, we do greet people. We might go from house to house. You guys have groups launching soon, I believe, and you're going to be in different houses. But there is still this sense of urgency that Christ is coming, so we want to be moving. We want to be talking. We want to get to where we're supposed to be. And the reason why I think Jesus tells them not to go from house to house is because j- just practically what this looks like is the disciples would go into a town, they'd get into a house, and they would share the gospel. They would, they would later we'll read, they'll heal, they'll, they'll, um, they'll tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. And then they would leave. And, and what would happen, and we know it happened because it's, we're, we're here, is that they would then go to their neighbors and share the kingdom of God. And then they would go to their neighbors and share the kingdom of God, and so on and so forth. And so, 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 so at the end, when you get to Acts chapter 1, you have more than 72 disciples. And they go out, and they go from house to house, and they're sharing the gospel. And Jesus tells them what? To share uh, in all of Judea, Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. And here's the really cool news. That worked, right? Like, do you guys know where the ends of the earth is from Jerusalem? It's about Asheville, North Carolina, Right? I mean, we're across the earth from where this thing started. And this church may be only 14 years old, but its message is ancient. It's thousands of years old. It dates back to Genesis. And this is the message that's proclaimed here Sunday after Sunday. That's taught in in, in, in all your community groups. It's the message that the king is coming to defeat the enemy. And this is really good news. And so, so, so they would stay in one house to teach, to, to preach, to heal. And then as they leave, the hope would be that they would go to other houses and those people would be, would be discipled and they'd go to other houses and they'd be discipled and they'd go to other houses. And so this thing would spread, as Acts says, like wildfire. And he says, whenever, in verse 8, whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Um, I love this. Uh, my, my wife, she's, she's not here today. Um, she has come other weeks with me, uh, other times with me. But she is, um, I think I can only describe it as deathly afraid of mayonnaise. And like to the point where early on in our relationship, we were at Chick-fil-A and I put a sealed packet of mayonnaise on her plate as a joke. And the, the whole relationship almost ended before it started. Like she was like, she was done with me. It was over. And I was like, it was just mayonnaise, girl. And, uh, and she freaked out. Well, she did mission work in the Philippines. And she went to one house. And, 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 and in other cultures, they like to cook for you. In our culture, we do that too. And so what they made her, for her was a mayonnaise sandwich. 
And I know what you're thinking. There had to have been more. No, it was a piece of bread, mayonnaise, and then another piece of bread. And that was the meal. And my wife, taking the Bible very literally, was like, I must eat this and all of it. And so she ate a mayonnaise sandwich. And I'm not sure that's how we should take this right now, uh, that you should eat things that might cause you to throw up on someone else's table. Uh, I'm not sure how hospitable that would be. Uh, But the idea is that we're receiving the blessings from the people who who bless us as we work for God, as we uh, are on mission to God, that we would receive what they give us. He says the laborer deserves his wages. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. See, the cool thing about the kingdom of God in Jesus' ministry on earth and our ministry today is we are meant to show people what the kingdom of God looks like. And the kingdom of God is undoing the curse of sin. Right? So as sin enters the world, you have disease and you have death and you have decay, and the kingdom of God is reversing that. So much so that Jesus in his ministry, all the time he's doing things you're not supposed to do. He's touching things you're not supposed to touch, going near people you're not supposed to go near. And, and, and so he, he, here's what happened. Uh, in, in the Old Testament, you have, um, you have people who are unclean, and if you come near them or touch people who are unclean, you become unclean. But Jesus, bringing the kingdom with him, when he touches unclean people, he makes them clean. When, 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 he gets, when he gets near places that are unclean, he makes them clean. This is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is undoing the curse of sin. And so as they're in these houses, they're healing the sick. They're undoing the curse of sin in their midst. People are seeing it and they're saying, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. The kingdom of God brings hope. It brings life. It brings joy. It brings healing and so they're doing this in houses. And, and this has got to be cool, because imagine Jesus says, hey, I want you to go to these towns, and you're going you're gonna to eat what's set before you. You're going to heal the sick. I'd be like, hold on, hold on. We're, we're going to get to do what you do? We get to heal the sick? Because like, he just kind of says that like, kind of offhandedly, like, heal the sick that's there. He wasn't sending them off with medicine, right? This was like miraculous healing. They were going to heal the sick in Jesus' name. It's, I mean, that, that would just be awesome. And then he goes from hope, healing the kingdom of God, to a warning. And he says in verse 10, but whatever, whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. <clears throat> See, the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God comes with hope grace, forgiveness, healing, but it also comes with a warning. See, because the kingdom of God comes with a king, and there is one way into this kingdom, and that is through Jesus Christ, our king. And the problem, the reason why a lot of people don't like this message, um, and it's not the only reason, but I think one of the primary reasons is because, I mean, the message sounds great, there's healing, there's hope, there's forgiveness for sins, there's life, there's community, there's life abundant, right? But it also comes with a king. And see, you can't have Jesus' savior and not Jesus' king. But a lot of people want his kingdom without the king. And there's a warning for those people. You don't receive the king, you don't receive him. You don't receive his kingdom. You don't get his kingdom. There's this warning that'll be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. 
See, to receive Jesus as Savior, we also bend the knee and surrender to him as king. I think the reason why that doesn't seem lovely or great for a lot of people is because there's this subtle belief that, um, well, there's this real belief that Jesus as king uh, means he gets to tell me how to live my life. That is true. A king gets to tell you how to live your life. But there's this subtle belief that if I do what Jesus says, then I'm going to lose joy. I'm not going to enjoy, like, because he, he, he calls us to live life a certain way. He calls us to do marriage a certain way, to do sexuality a certain way, to do friendships a certain way, to forgive people who hurt us. He calls us to, do, uh, to, to be generous in a certain way that, that, that might you know, alleviate some of the security we have in our bank account. He, he calls us to a lot of things that for some of us might seem like it's going to rob us of joy. But we've got to see that when the, when, when the, when the creator of the universe tells us how to live, um, it might be just worth trusting him on that one. Like he created all things. He created them to work a certain way. And if we walk in those things, I'm not going to say you're free from hurt. You're going to be happy, healthy, and great all the time. But you're going to find a kind of joy operating in the way that he created things to operate that you won't find trying to war against that. Jesus is not trying to rob you of joy. He is trying to lead you into greater and greater, deeper and deeper joy, to greater life, to deeper life. And so we obey King Jesus because, yeah, we need to because he's our king, but also because we believe it's good for us. That living a God-glorifying life, a King Jesus-glorifying life is actually for our joy, not an enemy to it. To follow Jesus, to obey Jesus, to obey the king, not just, not just to receive him as savior, but, to, but to, to surrender to him as king is to violently pursue your joy. And you've got to believe that, church. That whatever's coming next in the life of Missio, no matter how great it seems or how hard it seems, following Jesus in that mission, following him, obeying him, living life for him, pouring your life out for the sake of him, is joy. There will be hard days. There will be dark nights. But it is, it is in those nights where that joy becomes real. And you see that, oh my goodness, this thing is real. It's been a hard couple months for us, um, my family, uh, us at the Grove. Uh, just some different situations we're not going to get into because this is on Facebook and stuff. But, um, but it's been a hard couple months. Uh, but there's been some deep, deep joy found in knowing that, hey, you know, people leave church sometimes, um, but that's also the way church is meant to operate, is when you call people to surrender to Christ, not everyone's going to listen. And that we should actually be concerned if everyone's just always excited to come to your church all the time and no one ever is, like, uncomfortable and wants to leave sometimes that when actually people get uncomfortable and want to leave and people don't receive you, uh, they don't receive Christ or the one who sent him, like that actually, as sad as it is to see people leave, can also be something worth celebrating in a weird way. That, hey, th this message is operating the way it's supposed to. It's going to soften so many hearts, but it will also harden some. And so then he continues with his warning. He says, Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, then it we, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you hears me. And the one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Now, I like to sometimes imagine what these stories would be like if they were real and they were real. 
And so I just imagine it like this, and I could be wrong. This is extra biblical, but I just imagine Jesus calls 72 together, and he's like, hey, guys, I'm sending you up before me. Uh, you know, it's like wolves with, you know, and, uh, or you're going to be lambs among wolves, but you're going to heal the sick. And people are probably getting excited, like, we're going to heal the sick. You hear what he said? We're healing the sick. And then he's like, woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. You know, it's going to be rough on you guys. I just imagine some of the 72 are like, wait a second. I think he's sending me to Bethsaida. Like, uh, hey, anyone want to trade? What do you got, Jericho? You want to trade? You want to just uh, do swapsies on that one? Like, like, I just imagine them like, hold on. So, and, and this is true throughout Scripture. Sometimes God's ministry to people um, is faithfulness without a ton of fruitfulness. This is just true, right? You, I mean, uh, Isaiah and Ezekiel is like, you guys are going to preach. I love the uh, Isaiah, was it chapter 6? He's like, you know, who are we going to send? Oh, send? Send me. He's like, okay, I'll send you. No one's going to hear you. No one's going to listen to you. And it's like, all right, cool. That's what I signed up for. You know, like, this will be some of ours ministry. And, and we have to not focus on how fruitful our ministry is, but how faithful we can be through Christ. And let him worry about fruit. We can't create fruit. We can't grow it. But we can be faithful. In that. And I think so many times we worry so much about the ends that we'll We'll change our means to get there. You guys tracking with that? That we'll, we were like, I, I, I got to get to this state. Like we we want to have people sitting in church. We want to have people baptized. We want to have these things happening. And so how can we get there? Instead of saying, here's what God's called us to, we'll go wherever that leads. Even if it leads to Bethsaida or to Chorazin where God's like, judgment's coming for them. If, if, I'm, if I'm preaching to people who are never going to hear me, and that's what God's called me to, I'll be faithful I'm going to need some Holy Spirit help on that because it's going to be rough, but I'll be faithful. And so he says to, to the one who hears you, the one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. And that's, that actually is really encouraging when people reject you as you proclaim the gospel and share the good news of the kingdom, um, and they reject you, that they're really rejecting Christ who sent you and they're rejecting the Father who sent him. And so there's, I feel like that relieves a lot of pressure, but it also tells you you're going to be rejected. But it's not because of you, it's because of him who sent you and him who sent him. But then the 72 returns, I love this. This, is, this gets so good. 72 return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. I love that, because Jesus didn't say anything about demons, right? He said, he said uh, you're going to heal the sick. And, and that could have meant demon, uh, like casting out demons, because a lot of times in, in Jesus' ministry, when he cast out demons, people were healed of illness or, or lameness or, or different things, right? Muteness or whatever. And, um, but he doesn't explicitly, as we see recorded by Luke, uh, see him saying, you guys are going to cast out demons. You're, you know, you're gonna, demons will be subject to you. But they come back excited. Jesus, we healed the sick, but also demons were subject to us in your name. And Jesus says, yeah, yeah I, saw, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. That's super encouraging. Verse 20, nevertheless, which is to say, yeah, but, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Mr. Day Church, God has done so many great things through you, but the reason we sing, the reason we rejoice is because God has saved us, because God has transferred us, uh, transferred us out of the kingdom of darkness and brought us in the kingdom of light. That's why we sing. That's why we rejoice. That's why we celebrate. Because here's the thing. There will be times in our ministry, in our church, that um, it doesn't seem like a lot of exciting things are going on. 
but we are his, and nothing can change that. Not a pandemic, not election cycles, not people leaving. Nothing can change that. We are his. Our names are written in heaven if we are Christ, and that's why we rejoice. Rejoice because our names are written in heaven. In that same hour, so, so, so it's not a lot of time has passed, right? In that same hour means in that same hour, not an hour later, right? This is important because sometimes you can read Scripture, turn the page, and it's like three years later, right? But this is the same hour. I need you to hear that because I want you to see who Jesus is talking about. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding. That's kind of weird, right? Like, I thank you that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. Here's the problem. I haven't seen any children in this passage. Right? Did Jesus send third graders out to be lambs among wolves? Was it like Missio kids going out, like with no knapsacks by themselves? No, no, these were adults going out, and yet Jesus calls them children. It's a little insulting. But he's the king, so we're just going to take it, right? But it is a little, it's like, it's a, here, here's why I think this is so good for us. Let's keep reading. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So Jesus tells the disciples not to rejoice in all that they've done, not to rejoice in all that happened, all the miracles, all the demons being subject to them, the spirits being subject to them, but to rejoice that their names are written in heaven. Then that same hour, Jesus rejoices himself in the Holy Spirit and says, God, thank you for not revealing these things to uh, the understanding and the wise. That would make sense to the world. But thank you for revealing these things to these, these children, these immature children that you've given me. No one could know you, God, except through the Son, and, and, no one, and, and, who the Father, and no one can know who the Father is except the Son, and, and anyone to whom the Son reveals to him. So Jesus is saying, Jesus has chosen to reveal the Father to these children. The reason we rejoice is because our names are written in heaven. The reason our names are written in heaven is because Jesus has chosen to, to reveal it to us, to save us. And this is great. This is great news for me. Um, I am, I am tall. Someone in the earliest, earlier service gathering uh, was like, man, I don't realize how tall you were. And I'm pretty tall. And that is great, except I'm also very uncoordinated uh, and not good at, like, sports and things. Um, and so, but, but you, wouldn't, you, you would think I was good at sports because how tall I am. So, like, growing up, there was a, a moment where people were like, I was the first chosen on the, on the basketball courts because they're like, he's tall. He's going to be great play one game, they're like, we're not choosing him first ever again. Like, he has fallen down, he's so uncoordinated, and, and so they're like, we'll take that trash can, we'll just put it underneath the basket, and then we'll let Zach watch from the bench, right? And so that was kind of, kind of my life. And so to, to, to think about the idea that I'm just a little child, I'm not wise, I'm not understanding, I'm just like a little child, and, and, and Christ has seen me before the foundations of the earth, and he has set his affection on me and called me mine and chosen to reveal the glories of the gospel to me, is, is, it's, it's reason to sing. It's reason to celebrate. I mean, like, I don't deserve 
to know any of the stuff that I know. I didn't work hard. I didn't study hard to figure this stuff out. I didn't go searching for any of this. I was saved in a weird way. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Um, my, we, went to, we went to church on Easter and Christmas because that was the right thing to do. My parents were smart. We went to different churches every Easter and Christmas, so no one could like be like, why have you been here for a year? We were just like always visitors. Um, and uh, we sang and did all the stuff. We had Jesus' birthday cakes for Christmas and uh, always had coconut flakes on them, and I hated coconut, so I wasn't super excited about Jesus' birthday. Uh, I don't know why my mom thought Jesus loved coconut, maybe because he's from the Middle East or something. I don't know. Uh, do they have coconuts? I don't know. They, so it was just weird growing up. But in seventh grade, um, our bus drivers went on strike, which was super strange. I remember sitting and like, bus drivers were just like, you're going to have to find your own way to school. Like, we're not taking you to school anymore. You're just good luck. You know, like, it was, it was like, figure out how to get there. And so like a whole, a whole county of kids was just like, how do we get to school? You know? And so parents figured it out. We don't need bus drivers, basically. If you're a bus driver, I love you. But we figured it out without you. And um, basically, my parents would take me and my friend Marcus to school, and Marcus's parents would pick us up. And I had to stay with Marcus because my parents didn't trust me home alone. Probably a good thing. I had to stay with Marcus, and my parents got off work, they come pick me up. So I went to school with my parents. We picked up Marcus on the way, on the way home. Uh, his, Marcus's parents picked me up, Marcus Perry. Well, the, the thing about Marcus Perry was on Tuesdays, he didn't go home. He went to First Baptist Church of Jackson and went to youth group. So he'd go there early, hang out with his youth pastor all day, and then go to youth group. Um, and so on Tuesdays, what, guess what I did? Because the bus drivers went on strike, I had to start going to youth group. And I remember the first time I went there, we got dropped off early, hang out with the youth pastor. Uh, we go to youth group. He seemed pretty cool. Um, went to youth group. We played this game called Sardines. You guys ever heard of that? You definitely can't play it today with COVID and stuff. But it was like, it was a pretty stupid game anyway. Um, you like, if you haven't heard of it, imagine, imagine hide and go seek, but the exact opposite. Okay, so hide and go seek, like everyone hides and one person goes finds everyone. Sardines is every, uh, one person hides and everyone has to find this one person. When you find them, you hide like next to them. And so you get packed into a small place like sardines. It's cleverly named. Um, so I'm, <laughs> I'm at a, a place I've never been to before. They turned all the lights off because that helps you find people. And, and I, but it, it started out fine. I was in a big group and I was just following everyone around looking for people. But then like one by one, like a scary movie, people just start just disappearing. <laughs> just like, and then, and then after like 30 minutes, I'm by myself wandering the halls of a place I've never been. The lights are off. I'm not even sure what doors I'm allowed to try to open. Like I'm like going to people's offices and stuff. I don't think I'm supposed to be in here. There's a safe in here. Should I be in here? Like it was weird. And I eventually just had to be like, hey guys, um, I'm done. Like I don't want to play anymore. And so it was a weird, but like on the way back, I was like, hey man, we get to come back every week. Like that was awesome. But I did not like it. But there was something about talking to the youth pastor, hearing about the gospel for the first time, even though it, they could up their hospitality game and make new people feel better, I still, I still wanted to come back. And so, so, to, so to think about this for a second, um, how did God bring me to know Christ? Bus drivers going on strike. It's the weirdest thing in the world. Thank God they went on strike. You know, and it wasn't even about money mostly. It was about safety, like bus safety was off, you know. Buses were like breaking down all the time. So it was like also thank God for that because kids were riding around in like huge metal containers that didn't have brakes. But, um, <laughs> but also salvation was more important. So I, was, I thank God, like, but like I didn't choose that. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't tamper with the bus's brakes to get them to go on strike. So I go to youth group, like, God just used this thing to make sure that I went with Marcus Perry 
to youth group so that I could hear about Christ, so I could surrender to the King and, 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 and be His. And all of that because before the foundations of the earth, I heard it said recently, um, God looked into a history that had not yet happened and, and called me His own. And for those who are in Christ, God looked into a history that was yet to be and said, you are mine. And, and that's really good news because that means if you did nothing to earn it, deserve it, figure it out, you could do nothing to lose it. That you are Christ and he is yours. You have been taken out of the kingdom of darkness, placed in the kingdom of light, and that is where you'll be forever. That's why we sing. I, lo I love how this ends. Then turning to the disciples, verse 23, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. I don't know if you guys know a lot about prophets and kings, but they're pretty high offices, and they usually got to see what they wanted to see and hear what they wanted to hear. And if they didn't hear what they wanted to hear, they just have you killed, right? Kings, that's how kings operated. But Jesus is saying to these disciples, prophets and kings wanted to see the things you're seeing and they didn't, but you get to see them. Blessed are those who see these things. Happy are those. Miss Today Church, there are things that you're seeing today. There are things that you're hearing that prophets and kings long to see but didn't get to see, but you get to see. You get to see. You get to see the kingdom of God advance throughout Asheville, to advance throughout the 828 across the world. You get to see the kingdom of God here. It has come near. It, it's, not, it's not in full, but it's, it's this here, but not yet. But still, it's here. It's near. And you get to see it. You get to go to, to, to groups and, 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 and hear things that prophets and kings longed to hear. Stories of redemption and salvation and the gospel, people being brought from death to life that people wanted to hear so badly and didn't get to, but you get to. This is what God's been up to through this church for the last 14 years. Doing things and proclaiming things that people longed to see and hear, but didn't get to. But we do. Not only do we get to hear it and see it, we get to be a part of it. And this is amazing. And so this is why we sing. This is why we celebrate. And singing is an interesting thing. I know it's not in this passage to sing, but it's part of how we rejoice. It's weird that we sing. It's weird that I sing, for sure. Um, but it's weird that we sing. Not a lot of people just get together in a group of people and sing, right? Like, that's just not a thing we do. And if you do, it's usually like there's some drinking involved. And I know we're, I don't, we're not doing community today, so that's not out of the question, right? And, uh, and so like normally like there's karaoke, like you've got, you're, you're kind of making fun of some people who are singing is what's happening. But to get, toge get together as people and to think of like we're getting together and we're wearing masks and we're singing because singing means that much to us that we're going to keep singing. I mean, there's something happening here when, when the people of God sing and rejoice together. If I could be honest with you as a pastor... Um, there are Sundays I don't want to go to church. Not this morning, obviously. I wanted to come here with you guys. But there are Sundays at home where I don't want to go. I'm like, man, it's Sunday, but I have to because 
I'm preaching. <laughs> That's going to be awkward if I don't show up. You guys can just not show up and, you know, people, people notice, by the way, pastors notice when you guys don't show up, so please show up. But if I don't show up, it's kind of a big deal. And so there's so many Sundays where I'm just like, I don't want to go. But I can't remember a time that thought's lasted past the first song. I've never left church wishing I didn't come. But I've walked into those doors many times wishing I wasn't there. Right? So something happens to me every time that, and I'm not saying it's magical, it's always going to happen. But so far, praise God, thanks to his faithfulness, every time during that first song, hearing the saints sing over me to God, um, it just does something. I, this is where I want to be. This gathering is the best place to be if you don't want to be here. I don't know, that sounds weird. It's like, there's no better place to not want to be than be here and not want to be here. You guys following that? There's no better, like, we're like home's going to be worse. This is the best place to be if you don't want to be at church. God's, God's doing something when the saints show up and sing together. It's not about Sunday mornings or, or a building or churches. Um, it's not about that. My church, their building, we just went to a new building. It's not that, spe- it was, it's not that special. It was Spruce Pine's first department store. Like you could buy diapers where we sit now. You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of building we're in. But there's something special, supernatural that happens when God's people gather and rejoice. And what are we rejoicing? We're rejoicing in the fact that our names are written in heaven, that God is good and he has been kind to us, that Christ has chosen to reveal these things to us, that we get to see and hear that which prophets and kings longed to see and hear. That's why we sing. That's why we celebrate. It's why we need to look backwards over the last 14 years and see all that God has done through this church. And God has done a lot through this church. There is a congregation. It's over now. We only have one service. We're not quite like cool as you guys, but um, it's over now. But there's a church in Spruce Pine that gathered today that sang, that proclaimed God's word and prayed God's word um, in large part because of God's kindness through you. There's a church in Morganton doing the same, and there's other churches that I don't even know about because Brian doesn't brag all the time. But there's churches who are meeting and gathering because of your faithfulness, God's faithfulness through you. There's no other reason than God has been kind and gracious to choose us to reveal himself to, and then to choose us to use, to send us out and to proclaim the gospel. And so, so as we look back over the last 14 years, we, we, we sing and we celebrate because God has been kind and good and has done much in our midst. He has allowed us to see and hear things that people longed to see and hear. And as we look forward, we need to remember all that God has done. I can't imagine a harder time being in the church for, for me in my lifetime in the last 18 months, but I'm also not naive enough to think it won't come. But I, right now, if you were to tell me harder things are coming in the last 18 months, I'd be like, you are out of your mind. I don't know if you guys know how hard the last 18 months has been for your pastors, for pastors. It's been rough. And I know you guys are like, it's rough for us too. And it is. I'm not taking that away from you at all. But there is no decision we make that everyone loves. Not one. And it is super easy to think, of, to think about what decision we'd make if I was in charge, but there's no risk in that. Okay, there's no risk in thinking of what you would do 
if you were in charge of something, anything. It's been hard. And it's, it, it, and, 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 but I'm not naive enough to think that harder times aren't ahead of us at some point. Maybe it's next year, God help us. Maybe it's 14 years from now. But we're going to need to look back and remind us of how faithful God has been, how good he has been, and that we, we don't rejoice in the fruitfulness of our ministry. We rejoice in the faithfulness of our God to save us, to choose us. And that's how we rejoice. And so we need to look back and remind ourselves of that, and we need to not give up. There's a sense of urgency in this text. As you see him, not to don't greet people in the road, don't, don't bring anything with you, you know, be light, go. You need to be able to move and, and prepare the way for Christ. There's a sense of urgency, and we too, as the church of God, should not give up. We are representatives of his, of his kingdom. He is returning, and we are working and laboring to advance that kingdom as far as we can until he returns. And this is what we've been called to. And it's a glorious work. It really is. And yet, there's not enough of us doing it. So I guess I would end, I would end it this way. Look back, be reminded of all that God has done, and look forward. And for those who are here at Mr. Day, look at how you might join in the harvest if you haven't already. How might you be the answer to your own prayer that God would send many more laborers into the harvest? How might you be an answer to that? How might you serve and how might you be a part of what God has next here at Missio Day Church? How might you serve and labor and pour your life out next to your brothers and sisters who are working to pour their life out alongside you? I love this church. I love you guys. Um, you guys have, um, I just want to encourage you with this. You guys have such an amazing team of elders. I got to spend time with some of them as we prayed before each service. I got the privilege to spend time with Pastor Brian and our First Lady Christina here in Colorado. This, you guys say it like that, right? Um, no? You should start. And um, I should have asked permission for that before. Whew, okay. Um, but no, it, it, but we got to spend time in Colorado, and it was, it was fun. It was relaxing for me. Uh, it was during the beginning of their sabbatical, I believe. But um, one, one of the takeaways, just talking with Brian and chatting with Brian, is just he loves this place so much. I mean, I think as pastors, we love our churches so much that it hurts. And that's so true for him. And you guys are blessed to have him. And he's, he, he's at another church celebrating their anniversary. So I got to be here. Um, but, but just be encouraged that you have elders and pastors who love you, who are pouring their life out for you, who, who aren't sacrificing their family, but they're sacrificing as a family for you, for the sake of the gospel and for the kingdom. And you guys get to partake in that if you would. This is what God has called you to, to pour your life out alongside your pastors, alongside your brothers and sisters for the sake of the gospel. This is what the next 14 years will need if God, if God still calls you guys to continue pushing this kingdom forward. And you will have all that you need to do it, and it will bring you all the joy you could ever dream for, dream of. And we can know that because we can look back over the past 14 years. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to respond by singing three more songs together. And my prayer is that we would sing well, and we would sing loud, because God has done so much for us.
Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word, Lord. I thank you for the last 14 years at Missio Day Church and, and how so many other churches and, and, and initiatives and ministries have been started and planted and grown because of your faithfulness here through these people. I pray, Lord, that you would just strengthen the people here. I pray that you would um, call more and more people to labor in the harvest. Lord, what you have ahead of us for this world is greater than we can ask or imagine. And I pray, Lord, that we would have the courage and the wisdom and and, and our pursuit of joy to walk in the good works you've prepared for us beforehand. So, Lord, as you work in this church, Lord, as this church labors to sing your word, pray your word, proclaim your word to to a world who so desperately needs to hear your word, I pray that they would find joy in that call. I pray, Lord, that you would show up here uh, in a real and tangible way as we continue to worship you, as we continue to celebrate all that you've done. I pray that you would show up uh, in a way that that can be felt by your people. I pray that you would move amongst us as we sing to you your, about your goodness and your truth. Lord, be with us. Do what only you can do. And Lord, I pray that uh, if you would so choose, that you would use us to bring glory to your name. I pray this all in your son Jesus' name. Amen.